Um, I want to uh, uh, open the Word of God to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll put it on the screen as well as we go. I had this experience um, recently where, okay, so I, I lived, before, we've been here for seven years, Laura and I, and uh, the 10 years prior to that, we were down in L.A., and me living in L.A. looked like every single year as, as like, I think you have, you can only do jury duty once a year, but every year on the button, I would get called into jury duty. The way it works in L.A. is everything about L.A. is a monster, so it was like, you'd sit in this airplane terminal it felt like and you would wait all day and there was like so many courtrooms and you just get called into courtrooms but every all 10 times I was there never got called into a courtroom so it was just a productive day of reading it was awesome when I moved up here it's a smaller pool or something I don't know I went up to Auburn and I got jury duty a few months ago and I got called into the courtroom okay and I'm like oh boy and I was just I was just shocked that like it's like such a different world that you're entering so like the judge comes in, and you all have to stand up. Um, you're sitting there waiting to see if you're going to get called onto the stand, and you can't, like, people were getting called out for looking at their phones or, like, pulling out their books or whatever. So you just have to stand there and watch other people have conversations, and you're just praying, like, don't, don't choose me, don't choose me. And, um, and there's, like, bailiffs, and there's, like, clerks, and it's just, you know, I'm sitting there. It's, like, the whole different world that it's, like, so unfamiliar to me. Um, but, but it's, like, okay, well, you could get used to it, and then you know what's going on. Um, but for me, it was unfamiliar, and I was thinking, that's like, this is like the church, right? Like, it's like um, those of us that grew up in the church all our lives, I grew up three times a week. I was a churchgoer, man, and I was always there. Um, but if you, if you make it into your adult life without being part of the church world, and then you step into this, just try to imagine how wild that is, you know? You just come in, and like, everyone's here. Okay, great. Let's turn off the lights and close our eyes and sing to somebody that you can't see, right? Like, that's a weird thing that we do. Um, or, the, or the sermon, right, the, where we're all here for the lecture, and then there's the, I don't know, it's just everything, like, we kind of all know what we're doing, but, like, also maybe not. And so what we're trying to do is uh, reorient us to, like, why do we do this the way that we do? So the series, Hallowed Be Your Name, we're, we're trying to step back from the assumptions and say, who, like, what are we really doing here? And so we've, we've talked through um, that first week. We kind of explored why we sit here in a dark room and sing songs to somebody we can't see. Because as we talk about God, our posture towards him is not figuring him out, although we want to learn as much as we can, but it's about worshiping him. And so we literally take half of our time um, on any given service to just give ourselves space to think about who God is and to express back to him, you're valuable, you're worthy. And it's, it's this beautiful um, opportunity for us to just remind ourselves and come side by side and do this together. Um, last week, we talked about the cross and how Jesus died for us and reconciled us to God and brought us in. And so we talked about communion, why we do that whole ritual and what that means and what it pictures and what it um, invites us to consider. Um, as we talked about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, like it's an invitation to, to, to remind ourselves that's why we take this time that we do to open up the Word of God and remind ourselves that God speaks to us and, and remind us of who He actually is. And so um, all these things are ways to kind of get us into, okay, why do we do what we do? And this morning, we're talking about the church. And so I want to get into, okay, why, why do we do this at all, okay? Because you could, you could uh, know Jesus, you could worship him, you could um, learn about him, all those things, do it on your own. You could do it, you could listen to way better sermons uh, on your own, on your phone. I can point you in several directions, and you can get some really powerful stuff that's out there. You can listen to worship songs that are a little bit better than what we do here, too. So there's a lot you could do individually, and yet we all choose to come here together and do it together. So why? What, what is behind that? Um, in addition to that, why do we gather outside of here in small groups? Why is small groups such a big deal in the church? And so these are the 
things that we're going to address. It's, it's evolved over centuries and millennia. Um, you know, this isn't what the early church did exactly, but it was, it, the, the core of it was the same. But it's, we've sure developed different brands and different regions and everything else. But um, we're going to dive in. We're going to use 1 Corinthians 12 to do it. So here's what Paul uh, does. He lays out one of the most brilliant analogies ever in this passage, and we're going to walk through it. I'm going to start by reading the first several verses here. Paul says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, by faith, uh, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So here is this um, fascinating discussion, okay? So we've been talking about who God is, and God is incredible uh, by himself. He does not need anyone or anything. He is three, and he's one, and it's mysterious, but he is God in heaven. Last week, when ta- in talking about the cross, we talked about how he has reconciled us, brought us into this relationship with him, and so we get to connect with him. And now Paul is saying, for anyone that connects with God through Jesus and what he's done on the cross, there is this manifestation of the Spirit um, that is given to each one of us, so that now, like what we're seeing now is, it's not just God, and it's not just us getting connect, to connect with God, but there's this, this life in God that we're like being drawn into. There's this sense in which now we're invited in, and we get to be useful to him, and we get to do the things that God himself is doing, and it's this really intimate, beautiful thing, and Paul describes it as um, gifts. They're, they're these gifts. They're, they're, um, the, the word Paul actually uses is they're like they're spirituals. And so we call them spiritual gifts, but they're like little manifestations of the Spirit of God. The picture he's giving us is the Spirit of God is working in the world. And as he does, what he does is he takes a little piece of himself and he says, like, here's, here's this part of my Spirit. They're, they're manifestations, it says, of the Spirit, meaning he's revealing himself. He's showing himself. He's doing the working. And in order to work, he could just work by himself, but what he does instead is give a little piece of himself, in a sense, to each one of us. And those pieces, he's very clear, those pieces all look very different. Okay, so he's listed a bunch of things here. Um, uh, there's the, the utterance of wisdom. There's the utterance of knowledge. There's faith. There's gifts of healing. There's working of miracles. There's prophecy. Um, the ability to distinguish between spirits, tongues of different kinds, interpretations of tongues. And he's saying, all these things are all very different, um, and yet they're all empowered by the Spirit. They're, all of them are the Spirit of God manifesting himself, showing himself to the world, working through these different things. Now, I don't believe this is a comprehensive list of, of what the spiritual gifts are, of how like, God works. There's a, a slightly different list in Romans 12. There's a little bit different list in, First or in uh, Ephesians 4. Um, and so I think what it's doing, though, is he's giving us a taste, a sense of like, we're all different, but every single one of these differences, they're not just our quirks. They're not just the things that make us weird and different. These are the Spirit of God himself doing something, working, energizing, empowering each of us for a purpose. And he says very clearly, like in verse 11, he apportions to each one individually as he wills. 
So if you are in a spot where you're like, that, that whole idea of like a, a word of knowledge, there's like some, like you know the right word to say in a situation, or maybe that idea of faith, or maybe there's like encouragement that you have, um, m- maybe even the, the, the weirder ones, okay, like speaking in a language that you don't understand, or being able to interpret that, um, or being able to heal people, any of those things are simply the Spirit of God who's working in the world in a unique way, and he says, okay, the best way that I can do this is to take Andrew or to take Sarah and like you're going to embody this piece of me to the people in the world around you. And it's God who decided to do it that way. I wouldn't have dreamt it up, right? I'd be like, God, you're the goat. You just go out and do the whole thing and we'll watch and we'll like cheer you on. But he's like, no, I'm going to have a team that I'm going to work through and I'm going to give a piece of me to every single person that I'm drawing into myself and I'm going to choose who gets what and, um, and then we're going to do this thing together. So what's beautiful about this is um, this should help us, help to explain to each of us why we are the way that we are, okay? Because we're all kind of weird, right? Like we're, we're all a little bit different. We're all like have these interests that are a certain way. And so if you've ever sat back and wondered like, why am I outgoing or why am I introverted? You know, if you've ever thought like, why do I really love teaching kids? I just feel really drawn to that, you know? Or like, why do I really like get a lot out of encouraging other people or helping, assisting other people? Um, if you ask the question, why am I the way that, you, that I am? Paul is saying, because God himself has called you and reconciled you himself. And then he took his spirit and gave you this manifestation, this, this revelation of who the spirit is into you specifically. And that's why you're weird and quirky and diverse. In the, in the church, we like to be the same. We like to all fall in line, and we like to all keep it like we're all in the same boat, we're all on the same path. But Paul's just saying here, like, one size fits all is nonsense. We are a diverse group of people. So he, he uses the body to describe this. So the analogy he's going to use in the next verses is this. Um, there's a body, and this body is like, um, is, represents the body of Jesus. So Jesus, we know, like went up to be uh, in heaven. He left us his spirit to empower us, but it's like the body of Jesus is still on earth, and we like make that body up, okay? Just in, as, as a hand and an arm and an elbow, and the whole thing comes together, and we're a body saying that's what we are. Now, watch, it how, watch how he says it. It's so beautiful. So verse 12, just as the body is one and has many members— And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So here we are, and he's saying there's there's one body, but there's many members, okay? So think now of the Trinity. And we talked about how there's, there's only ever been one God. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Um, there's only ever been one God. But that one God is somehow three persons in that one God. So the Trinity is tough to understand because one and three, right? Paul's saying the same thing about us. We're one. We're one body together, but we're also like a lot of us, right? So the one and the many, somehow that's how it works with the Trinity. Somehow that works for us. And that's, that's this whole thing is we are, like we have to think of ourselves as not individual Christians, not individual followers, not just about Jesus and me and what he does in my heart in my private times, but we have to think in terms of what God is doing like with us and how I'm connected to each one of you. So he says, what, like the path into that, what brings us into that? He says, we've all been baptized into one body. So baptism is this picture of 
In the same way that Jesus died and was buried in the ground and rose again, baptism is this picture that we do where we go under the water, um, symbolizing our death and our connection with Jesus and his death, and then the new life that Jesus experiences. That's the picture uh, that Paul's saying. How do we know that we're one body? Because we've all gone through the same death, the same baptism to symbolize and picture it. It's not, it's not that the water miraculously washes our sins away, but the water is the picture of what God himself does for us. And by the way, uh, we do baptisms uh, as part of the church life, like kind of ongoing. So if, there's, if you're in a spot where you're like, I, I would like to get baptized, I've never done that, but I, I can see what Jesus has done for me in that death and that resurrection, and I'd like to tell uh, my friends, my family, celebrate that with my church family, um, just come let me know. We, we do kind of different ones during the year in different configurations, but the big one we do is in August where we go out to a lake in a public place and we do those baptisms. It's a beautiful way to celebrate what God has done. So Paul's saying, through baptism, we're made into this one body. He says, also, all of us were made to drink of one spirit. A beautiful picture of the spirit of God just kind of coming inside of us. We're just like drinking deep of the spirit of God, and he's inside of all of us. Um, and then he goes on. So verse uh, 15, let's jump ahead here. He says, well, in verse 14, he says, that the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So Paul's main point here is he's just saying, um, a, a body is way better than any individual uh, member, okay? So, like, eyes are incredible, but an eye just by itself is pretty gross, okay? So, an eye as part of a body is beautiful. By itself, it's nasty and weird. And Paul has no interest in one member of the body by itself. Paul's whole thing is, like, the whole thing comes together. So, I, I told you I lived in L.A. When I was in L.A., before coming up here, um, I worked at a, a little Bible college that Francis Chan had started. And so, uh, Kids are coming across the country to Francis Chan's Bible College, and you can imagine, like, why they wanted to come to Francis Chan's Bible College, because they wanted to be Francis Chan, okay? So they're all there, and he's, like, this great preacher. He's super gifted, and you could just see all these students, like, coming in, like, I love this dude. I love how he preaches. Like, I want to be like him. And so you just see any chance they got, they would talk like Francis. They would do gestures like Francis does. Like, the whole thing, they were just like, that's what it meant to be like a Christian that's really following Jesus. And it was disgusting to see. It's so silly, right? It's so silly. I would see, like, pastoral staff. It's like anytime the Francis isn't preaching, some other pastor gets up there, and they're trying to do it just like Francis, and they were terrible at it, Right? They were good at doing their, their thing, right? Being themselves and serving the Lord. But it's so bad when we're trying to be just like someone. Now, maybe it's someone like Francis for you. Maybe it's like a parent. Maybe it's a, a youth pastor. Like, I don't know what it is that you're like, this is what it looks like to be a good Christian. But I'm just going to tell you, wipe the slate clean because that's nonsense. Paul, Paul is just saying like, look, yeah, it's a body and you're all different members of it. And you can't sit there and say, well, because I'm not Francis Chan or because I'm not a hand or because I'm not this or that person, I don't belong to this body. He's saying that's ridiculous because God made you to be a hand or a foot or an eye or whatever you are. And the body needs all those things. If we were all the same, it would be this weird thing. But no, it is intentionally made so that we are different and we're all coming from different places and we all have like 
um, we should celebrate the uniqueness that we have. We should celebrate the fact that, like, I mean, some of you are, like, super into Calvinism, and you're, like, the doctrines of grace, and we should celebrate that you bring that focus to our church family. We need that. Others of you are, like, more charismatic than us, and you do weird stuff in your free time, and that's fantastic. We should celebrate it because I, like, I don't have those giftings, you know, but I, but I'm learning to, like, value that, right? And, and as the God, as God speaks a prophetic word, it's like, I need to hear that um, just because I'm not as attuned to that as you are. I need that. And so we have to, like, get ourselves out of these spaces. So often in church, we just do one size fits all. And discipleship looks a certain way. Doctrine looks a certain way. It's like, just even take the four Gospels in the, in the Bible. There's four different perspectives on what Jesus did. They all fit perfectly together. They all align, but they're all very unique in Matthew portraying Jesus as the king, Mark portraying Jesus as um, conquering the powers of evil, Luke portraying Jesus as reaching out to the marginalized. They all have this different approach to it, and yet somehow it all fits together. And we have to get out of this one-size-fits-all. This is exactly what it looks like because what Paul's saying is, This is the manifestation of the Spirit. God is showing himself to us together and to the world around us by putting himself into each one of us in these unique individual ways. And so when we say, when I sit here and I say, I don't, I'm not like this. I, I, I don't know what I can do because I'm not like that. What we're doing is we're actually shutting off the rest of the church body to some real important aspect of who God actually is. We're depriving our brothers and sisters of something about God himself because we feel inadequate. I think Paul's whole thing in this section is just saying, get over your stupid feelings of inadequacy because you are someone that bears the image of God and, and, and manifests the spirit of God in a way that nobody else can do. We cannot be and we cannot do what God is calling us to do as a church family unless every single one of us owns the fact that the Spirit of God is inside of us and working. We sideline ourselves so often um, through just like, well, I don't know if I can do it. And we just, our inadequacy, our sense of like, well, what if I try? What if I'm not good at it? What if I'm, what if I'm the one person in all of church history that's not gifted? If you read what Paul says, you are gifted. It doesn't matter if you can't identify it yet, you are gifted. And so we pray and we explore and you can talk to me and I'll find ways to get you involved, you know? All those things are so important. I thought of it like this this week. You know, a church this size, we're not a massive church. We're not a tiny church. A church this size, like, there's this, um, there's this financial side where we all kind of pool resources and we all give together. And we're all like, um, in the Old Testament, it was like 10% that we give. And then New Testament, it seems to be like maybe that, but also just kind of give generously. And the whole thing is like, if there was one rich person in this church that just kind of gave money, it would be like, cool, we could do something with that. But there's something so much better about everybody saying like, yeah, I'll give what God, like out of what God, God entrusted this to me, and so I'm going to pool it together so that we can do something bigger and healthier. Like that's how we function financially as a church. And I think if we just take the finances out of it and just say, and also, God has entrusted you with these gifts, these abilities, these things that you don't have to believe in them yourself, but if you're sitting here saying, I'm not gifted, then you are contradicting the word of God and what the spirit of God is doing. And he's saying, I have gifted you and I don't care if you can't see it. I want you to pray. I want you to to explore this. And um, Paul just saying, man, like don't decide that you don't have anything to offer. God has made it so that you do have something to offer. We have to believe, I think, the things that God is saying to us here. Um, And it's hard when we we feel, okay, this is the thing I know. You think you know yourself better than anyone else, right? You do. 
but I will tell you, the one person that knows you better than you know yourself is God. Like, that is absolutely true. And so you might be like, you don't know me, Mark. Um, I am way more inadequate than you could possibly imagine. And I'm saying, you don't know you, friend. God knows you, and you are way more gifted than you could possibly imagine. So believe God. It's true. He wants, you, he wants all of us in the game and part of this family and doing the things that you are uniquely, quirkily, weirdly gifted to be able to do. Like, that is the picture that he's given and before I move on, to, Paul gives another warning. Before I move into that, I want to say this. We have a tendency in the modern-day church to over-institutionalize this, okay? So what, what I'm terrified of is that everyone's going to be, like, convicted by the Spirit, and you're going to be like, yes, I need to use my gifts, and then I'm going to have this line of people like, okay, Mark, like, um, I'm really good at encouraging people. Could you um, create an encouragement ministry with me where you schedule out times for me to encourage people and whatever else? And I just want to say there's, there's a lot of, like, structural things to, like, Definitely, we need people to serve coffee. We need people to run sound. We need people in the band. We need people teaching the kids. So there are structural things. But if you're good at encouraging people, you do not need me to schedule that for you. You do not need me to introduce you to someone and say, hey, so-and-so can use some encouragement. Do your thing. Like, just go do it. You know, just go be who God's made you to be. If you're, if you're a hospitality person, go be hospitable. If you're like a, a, a discernment person where it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but I just feel like this is what's going on in this situation, then follow the Spirit's leading and just speak it into people. Uh, this is so important that we not wait for an institution to do all this for us, but we instead say, initiative, the Spirit of God is working in me, and I'm going to follow those nudges, and I'm just going to do it. And the, the most beautiful um, family life, the most beautiful moving of the Spirit that I've ever seen comes in these uh, informal, organic ways where we're just all doing the things that God's nudging us to do and just finding uh, ways that God uses us. So there you go. Don't sideline yourself. You belong to the body. I want us to hear that and, and, and um, believe it, okay? The other thing we have to hear and believe is that they belong to the family, okay? So, so look at the people around you. Every person here also belongs. So you might think, maybe you're this kind of a person where you're like, my gifting is pretty all right, you know? Like, I'm, like, I know what I'm doing. I'm pretty good at it. But I don't know if I need them, right? Like, the, you look and, the, like, sure enough, there's weird people in this room all around. It's like, I don't know. I don't see how they fit into this whole thing. And what I need you to believe is that they belong to the body. And not, not just they belong to the body in some generic sense, but I'm saying you need them. Like, it doesn't matter how much their life seems like it's falling apart. It doesn't matter how inadequate they feel themselves to be. It doesn't matter how fringy or busy or whatever they are. I'm telling you that you need every person who's part of this church family in order for us to be who, the, uh, who God made us to be. So let's read in verse 21. Paul says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So the warning here is we need to stop discounting and stop discrediting the gifts of the people that are around us. We need to begin realizing, okay, I can stifle my own gifts and I can sideline myself, but at the same time, I, I know we have this tendency within us to um, suppress the gifts of other people. I don't understand how that works really, so I'm just going to kind of cut that out of my 
ministry thing. Like, I don't really like this person, or this person has some weird views on this or that or whatever. And so we sideline the people around us. And Paul's saying, like, don't do that. If, you, if you're sitting here and you're happy with which part of the body you are, and you feel like you don't need the body parts around you, it's like, okay, yeah, uh, just go be like a hand in an ice chest somewhere that's not attached to a body that's gross, it's worthless. Paul has no interest in a organ that has no body to it. Be part of the body. If you're going to be part of the body, you need every other part of the body. We have a responsibility to each other, is what Paul's saying. I was processing this week, so there's like church circles, pastoral circles, there's all these debates always, and when we first entered into COVID, it was like every church in the world suddenly, instantly learned how to live stream, okay? It doesn't matter if you had only 100-year-olds in your church. You were like, somebody get this on Facebook somehow, and like almost every church did. It was amazing. Um, we were one of those. We had never live streamed before, and so we got the whole thing up on live stream. Now, there's a debate with pastors where there's this growing view of like, stop doing the live stream, because what you're doing is you're enabling people to sit at home in their pajamas, and they're not investing in the church family. So, I want to affirm in that, um, yeah, there's so much to, instead of just sitting at home and being comfortable, investing in the family. But I want to also point out, there's a couple things. One is, I think we'll always do the live stream. And part of that is just, there's people that can't physically get here, right? There's people that are traveling. There's people that are sick. There's people that chronically are sick and can't be here. And so just as an act of love, that makes sense to me. The other side of it is saying, okay, you can't worship at home. You have to worship together. I still think there's a, a view of that that is all about, like, well, we need to be in the same room, sitting side by side so that we can um, sing louder, right? And we can get more out of, like, the experience by being together. And I just want to say, like, whether you're sitting here to, like, enjoy it or whether you're on the live stream, whatever, um, the key is not just to be in a spot where you can sit next to each other, but find ways to care for each other, right? Find ways to, like, encourage and use your gifts. It's, it's more than just being in the same room. It is about being the same body. And I know people that are here present, right, that, that don't do much to, like, invest in people. And on the other side, we have some beautiful people in our church that, for specific reasons, can't be here physically, but they are doing everything that they can to reach out and to bless and to use their gifts to encourage each other. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is the, the poor theology and all that is just simply assuming, yeah, we just got to be in the same room because I think that so often is kind of empire building from pastors. It's kind of like, well, it's, there's more energy. It feels better to preach to a full room than to, like, who cares about that? What, ca- what we need to care about is the fact that we are, we need each other and we're here to invest in each other. Tools like technology are beautiful. Let's make sure we're using them in a way that connects us to each other. There, there's people that can't be here on Sundays that are still part of small groups. And I think that kind of thing is beautiful because we're investing in each other. So here's, here's how I want to close this out. Paul says in verse uh, 24, the second half of verse 24, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. He's saying it like this, the body. So like our church family, he's saying we're like, we're we're a body, we're a family, we're, we're like this one body of Christ together. And he's saying, how did we come to be here? Now we could go around and we could ask like, how did you come to be here? And, and like a shocking number of you are like, I was driving by the freeway, and I saw the sign, Creekside, and I was like, I got to come there. That's awesome. Um, some of you did a Google search. Some of you had friends that came here. All of you made, like, a decision at some point of, like, you know what? I think I'm going to check this out. I think this will be my church home. And so we've all made those decisions. But what Paul is saying is he takes us a step back there. Sure, you guys all decided this is your church family. He's saying God has composed this church family in a specific way. So Whatever decisions you made, that's great. I'm really proud of you guys. You chose wisely, obviously. 
But God is the one that led you through all the different circumstances, all of the past experiences you've had, and God led you here for this season. Why? Because God's trying to make something here. God's trying to do something. God, but here's one way of doing it is God loves every person in this room, and he loves every person in this room so much that he brought you to be there as a gift to those people, right? And then God loves the world around us so much that he's composed this body so that we can be together, and together we can love the community around us better than we could by ourselves and better than if we were some different configuration. God has assembled this in his wisdom, with his care, with his purposes in mind, literally put his spirit inside of us with all of the quirky abilities that that gives us to do, and he's saying, all together, I want you to do this whole thing. He says it in verse 25. He's, he's done it this way so that there'd be no divisions among us. Like, I'm joining you together so that you can really just lock in and fit in. And unfortunately, I think so many churches, um, we don't listen to this at all. And it's like, oh yeah, God's composed the body. But we, we definitely do need divisions though, right? Like, what if, what if someone like thinks that women should preach or shouldn't preach, right? What if someone's like a little more like into God's sovereignty versus free will? Like, we probably do need to divide some. And Paul's saying, man, God put the body together so that we'd be united together, so that we would lock in, so that we'd see our differences, our different emphases, our different quirks, our different like skill sets and our different innate abilities. And God's put us together so that we could be united. In doing that, we can care for each other. He says in verse 26, if, if one member suffers, we all suffer together. I love um, Jose just sharing that about um, their daughter that they lost and the church family coming around and just saying like, hey, like they're hurting. It's not just them that's hurting. We all hurt together and coming alongside. That's what the body of Christ is meant to do. When your toe hurts, it doesn't matter that it's your tiny little toe that hurts. Your body hurts when your toe hurts. And that's how this whole thing is designed to function. I've thought often as a pastor um, the best thing I can do, obviously, is, is point you to the Lord and, and facilitate your relationship with God. But I feel like the best resource, the best gift I can give to you guys is each other. Um, this room is full of amazing people that are gifted in all these unique ways. The best thing I could possibly ever give you is each other to pursue the Lord together. Like, that's, that's what you need. It's, it's, the most, uh, it's the best resource that I have access to. And I'm telling you that, like, this is what God's calling us into. There's something so much deeper and more beautiful in us together than in us individually. And, and I think we just need to begin believing, okay, God is saying that he put his spirit inside of me specifically in the, in the, in the weird and unique ways that I am like who I am and, and I believe he's going to use it. You, I'm going to tell you, you don't have to know what that is. So you can, you can go online, you could Google search spiritual gifts tests, and you'll find like a host of things that you can take, and it might, it might give you an indication of like, wow, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at that. I'm going to try that. Um, you could do the Enneagram. That would like unlock some like insights into who you are, and that might give you a direction. But I'm just going to say, so I'm going to use Laura as an example, and I did not clear this. It came out spontaneously first service. It's going to be fine, okay? So my wife, my wife Laura, um, she, she, like, um, she is this amazing person that, like, I think she knows some of her gifts, but when we moved up here, we began hosting gospel community things in our house, and it was like we, we discovered how amazing she is at hosting events. Like, she is this hostess that just makes people feel connected and engaged and makes them feel like they belong and like they have a home, and, and we just kind of figured that was, like, just one of those random things. Like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know what your spiritual gifts are, but you're really good at hosting things, Right. And, and we've kind of just become to believe, come to believe and, and to see 
I think that's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, like using things, like creating a space. In fact, we've discovered since then, one of the qualifications for elders that I'd never noticed was that they're supposed to be hospitable. Um, why would an elder need to be like full of hospitality? It's, it's this empowerment of the Spirit that is just like, come, belong to this family. Let me facilitate uh, the, the life of the family together. And it's been so cool to see Laura come alive. She's been so good at that. And it's a deeply spiritual thing. So I guess all I'm saying is, you don't need to know what it looks like. You don't know, need to know exactly what you're good at. But, I, but what I would love for us all to leave here today feeling is, one, believing the Spirit when he says, each of us has been given a gift as the Spirit of God directs. Like, he's the one that chooses, so you are the way you are for his own specific reasons. And you might look at yourself and be like, there's not a lot I like about myself, and I can see the flaws, but I'm telling you, there are, like, the Spirit of God is saying, I love you. I have invested myself in you. I want you to show that to the world around you. And I want us to believe more and more, like every day, every week, believe more and more, I need these people. And, and so, yeah, if you're homesick, if you're like, whatever, watch it online, but like put your heart towards these people and invest in them. And, and we do it not just so that we can be like this great, warm family together, but we do it so that we can fulfill that mission of we are glorifying God by finding life in Jesus together and we're inviting other people to do the same. Like that, the reason is so that we can experience what, what Paul is describing here. We can experience that beautiful picture of church so that the world around us can be blessed and be invited in. And we can just say in full honesty, what I'm experiencing with my brothers and sisters in Christ is beautiful and it's compelling. And man, we're all different, but we come together in this way that is so powerful you should come check this out. You should come do this with us. And, and um, that's what I want to see um, so much more as we go on and on. We, we have uh, Valiant Coffee out there. Part of the reason for that is just facilitating times where we just linger and hang out together. Um, I will introduce you to anybody you want to, but also you have a hand that shakes, and I would just love to see more of that. Just like, hey, I'm, I'm Mark, and I, maybe it's weird for me to introduce myself, but like, let's, let's do it, man. You, you got to know these people so that you can invest in these people. Um, get, get into a small group so that you can uh, invest in those people that way. Um, we're all different, and, and so I'm not trying to imply that everyone needs to become extroverted. Um, we're all different. It all looks different for each of us, but I want us to believe that the Spirit has something he's offering to the world and to this church family through you and through everyone that you encounter. Let's, let's pray, and then we'll continue to sing. Lord, I'm so thankful um, for this passage that it is just such a, such a powerful reminder of the fact that, Lord, how could we ever be associated with your body? How could we stand here um, side by side together and in any way be identified with you or with your spirit? But Lord, thank you that this reminder is here. Um, Lord, thank you for the reminder to me that I need my brothers and sisters. Lord, I, I need these people so much and I'm so thankful for each person that you've nudged and led to be part of this family. Lord, I, I know um, so many of the people in this room right now have gotten here through a difficult journey. There's church hurt, uh, there's church disappointment, there's, there's life hurt, there's life disappointment, and yet, Lord, in your wisdom and in your sovereignty, you've led each person here to be a part of this. And Lord, we just offer ourselves to you and say, Lord, would your spirit work in us Holy Spirit, would you just take full access of who we are and empower us in all the ways that you want to. May we never look down on our own gifts or on the gifts that, that we have, uh, that each other has. May we just lean into this reality that you're inviting us into. What a beautiful thing. We thank you and we worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.